Our scripture reading today is from the 27th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. It is part of the story of the, the arrest of Jesus and his subsequent crucifixion. Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate, the governor of the area, the Roman governor, the most powerful figure in all of Jerusalem and Israel. Stand now and listen, my friends, for the word of the Lord. Now, now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas, and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? All of them said, let him be crucified. Then he asked, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I do think it is a gift to preach a series on dreams because I know if I look out and see you asleep, it just means you're putting it all into practice right away. Um, you're already dreaming. If you do fall asleep in the sermon, I'm not going to look at anyone in particular. Um, I just All I ask is you dream of God's peace and justice. We'll be on the same ending point. Uh, of course, the dreams we're really talking about in this series are often a bit harder to come by than listening to my boring sermons. We're talking about big dreams, big hopes and desires we harbor for ourselves and for our world, the kind of dreams that we might not see fully come true. At least that's what I'm focusing on today, when we dream for the things that I believe God consistently dreams of, too. Things like peace and justice. Big abstract dreams that would change the very course of human life if they did come true. I'm convinced from reading through my Bible that we are called to dream such big dreams, particularly for peace and justice. God plants this vision of hope in the minds of prophets like Micah, who envisions a time when God will judge between many peoples 
so that they beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. A nation will not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Or when the prophet Amos envisions justice rolling down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Or dreams that echo through the ages on the lips of both Isaiah and Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. Peace and justice are consistent dreams of God's people, even in more modern times. I'm very aware that peace is not a novel idea. After all, even the stereotypical beauty pageant response to the question, what do you hope for, is world peace, at least according to Miss Congeniality. God's people throughout time have resonated with dreams of peace and justice, even in the toughest times. But the harsh reality is that we are still dreaming for peace and justice because those dreams have not yet come true. So many of our big dreams are interrupted or delayed or beyond our reach. Things certainly progress throughout human history, there's no doubt about that. But the biggest dreams that inspire and guide us remain just out of our reach. And a great example of this reality is the dream we just read about, which Pilate's wife confesses to him. Pilate's wife is unnamed in the Bible, and there's not any good evidence of her name in other early sources. However, early Christian tradition ascribed to her the name Procla. So I'll use that name instead of the title Pilate's wife. Procla dreams a dream that in a certain sense doesn't come true. At least the big hope that emerges from her literal dream does not come true. She dreams of Jesus' innocence and righteousness and knows it means her husband should not condone his death. She even acts on the dream and tries to intercede when nobody else would. She is Jesus' one defender. But sadly, her cries fall on deaf ears and Jesus is crucified. She dreams of peace and justice for the innocent and righteous, and yet the powerful people calling the shots don't listen. Many of you by now know that I'm a visual person, and I love to explore visual representations of these kinds of scenes. And in seminary, I came across this painting of Antonio Cesare, uh, Jesus' trial before Pilate. It's titled Ecce Homo, which translates, Behold the Man. I've become entranced with this painting for many reasons, but today I focus on how Cesare captures what it's like to dream big dreams that don't come true. Cesare gives a sort of behind-the-scenes look at Jesus and Pilate. We see Jesus and Pilate front and center, flanked by various guards, and Barabbas is in the mix there somewhere. The primary exchange happening in the scene actually happens beyond us, the audience, between Pilate and the crowd. But we get an intimate interaction ourselves. So I draw you to what is currently my favorite feature, Procla, off to the side of this painting, the right side as you look at it here. It's notable, I think, that she's the only figure with the majority of her face turned toward us. That means she has completely turned her back on the scene unfolding on the other side of her. She cannot bear to see her dreams dashed. But in doing so, 
her troubles open up to us. The real pain of the moment is further highlighted by the way she's the only person here who needs support. She reaches out a hand to the woman beside her. She casts her eyes to the ground and grips a bit of her garment in her free hand. This is a devastating moment for her, as it should be for all of us. While she needs support, she's certainly not weak. I think Cesare captures something so true about the boldness it would have taken for Procla to do what she did. It must have been so hard for her to speak up to an unstable ruler, feeling the pressure of a growing mob. Procla does the monumentally courageous task of trying to redirect an impossible situation. She shows a strength that must be rooted in the dreams of justice of her own tradition. She has seen a vision of a better reality, but knows in this moment it will not happen. In doing so, she represents us all when we have seen a vision of a better reality, only to find it impossible to fully attain. In dreaming big dreams, in dreaming God's dreams for us, we will necessarily dream things that are too big for our britches, things we will not see accomplished in our lifetimes. And like with Procla, it can be hard to wrestle with that as faithful people who believe God is working with us to realize those dreams. If God has been dreaming of peace and justice with us for so long, generation after generation, and there is still pain and injustice now, what hope do we have for dreaming such big dreams still today? Thankfully, God has inspired other dreamers along the way who have wrestled with this reality and can guide us faithfully through fractured dreamscapes. So I turn to two other dreamers of the more symbolic type rather than the literal dreaming of Pilate's wife. Both of these dreamers dream big, and both do not see their dreams realized. But they show what it means to faithfully work toward peace and justice anyway so that we do not give up in despair when we fail to see the end result. The first visionary, as you might imagine, is the namesake for the holiday that we celebrate tomorrow, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Like Pilate's wife, Dr. King stood in the halls of injustice and dared to dream a different reality, one in which all people were truly free. And like Pilate's wife, Dr. King did not live to see his dreams realized. In fact, his dreams still have not been fulfilled. We still live with rampant racism that we are all caught up in. But in his short time dreaming with us, Dr. King does something remarkable. He calls us back to the dream that takes too long to be fulfilled. One of his more popular speeches given at the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, also known as the I Have a Dream speech, was about reminding the nation it has promised something that has not yet been fulfilled. And he starts that speech by noting how Abraham Lincoln's dream of emancipation had not been realized in Dr. King's day. Another case of delayed and obstructed vision. Dr. King explains that 100 years later, black Americans are still not free. They are crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination living on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. Such a state is the starting point of Dr. King's dreaming. He builds his own dreams of peace and justice on the shattered promises that he has inherited. 
What a remarkable spirit it takes to dream without any assurance that those dreams would be fulfilled. Dr. King sets an example for us all to rekindle those age-old dreams for peace and justice no matter what state they are currently in. The prophets Amos, Isaiah, and then Procla and Jesus, among so many others, did not live to see their hopes fulfilled, but they left us with dreams that we can rekindle and build upon. Dr. King was able to dream of peace and justice so powerfully because he built on those dreams that came before him, even those that had faltered, because he did not let his own dreams cool down before acting on them. I think we can join in making those dreams more real by doing the same things, by filling our hearts with the dreams of the prophets and Jesus and those civil rights leaders of past generations and those of our current generation. The same dreams for freedom and equality are still being shared today and from so many different groups of people. We can build on those and we can do so hopefully before obstacles are put in the way. I'll share even more specifically what I think that looks like in a minute, but first I want to share one other dreamer and how she directs us in dreaming big dreams. The other dreamer on my mind is one of my personal heroes, Dorothy Day. And before I share who she was and what she did, I have to recognize I'm not the first to tie Dorothy Day and Dr. King together in terms of dreamers. As I was researching the sermon, I found that in 2016, Pope Francis linked them together in just the same way when he visited the United States and was highlighting Americans well worth following. Dorothy Day was a Catholic social activist who did most of her work in the 1920s through the 1970s. She wrote for various papers supporting the rights of workers and teamed up with several other people in New York to establish what they called houses of hospitality for the poor, the unemployed, and the sick. Starting these houses meant that Day took on voluntary poverty and communal living, much like a monk or a nun, in order to meet the needs of her neighbors. Through her commitment, more and more houses of hospitality were opened around the country, including several farms for sustainable living. While the World War and unhappy landlords disrupted some of her plans and led to the closing of some of those houses, other houses would open, furthering God's work. Dorothy Day had big dreams of justice, but she understood it was not an abstract thing. She understood justice happens with every protest, every facility built to help people out of homelessness, every act of solidarity, with every word spoken or written to promote human dignity, and with every word put to action to make that dignity a reality. Day built her dreams of justice and peace upon dreams which came before her also, particularly the great vision Jesus casts in the Sermon on the Mount. But Dorothy Day did not leave those inspired words as merely a vague vision. She made the dream a reality with each poor person that she helped experience the kingdom of God, with each hungry and thirsty body she filled, and with each peacemaker she gave a platform. Day reminds us to build on the eternal dreams that come before us and not accept a gradual unfolding of peace and justice. And she reminds us that we make these big dreams real by acting on them every day in big ways and in small ways. We tell our dreams to all who will hear, but then we do not merely turn away like Procla. We do whatever little act is right in front of us to make a difference. 
I'm also realistic enough to acknowledge that Dorothy Day did not change the world. She didn't create world peace or solve uh, injustice. But when the next generation inherited the big dream, they had a new place to stand on and work from. Just as Jesus had a new place to stand on to cast his hopes, built on the dreams of the prophets before him. And just as Dr. King had a new place to stand on to dream, built on the work of Jesus and Dorothy Day and Gandhi and so many others. And in following their examples, we can push ahead, knowing we too will not create world peace by ourselves or solve injustice, but maybe through our faithful labor we can create a new and better place for the next group of dreamers to stand on. I have the benefit of seeing such work by virtue of my role in the North Texas Conference Church and Society Committee. All the United Methodist Churches in North Texas are connected and join forces to do the work that any single congregation can't do, the work that's bigger than any of us alone. There are many committees and boards that do this work of connecting all our churches, and I'm lucky to help with the Church and Society one, which seeks ways for all of us to work together to create a church that is more just and equitable for all. And one of the ways we do that work is through Peace with Justice grants. Peace with Justice itself is an initiative of the entire United Methodist Church all across the world, and there's traditionally been a specific Sunday set aside where offerings were collected from every church to pool our resources and fund efforts to promote peace with justice in our communities. These days, the offering part of this doesn't really happen anymore, but we still actively fundraise and offer grants locally. Anyone can submit a grant application. You don't have to be a part of a church. We fund projects big and small in churches and in community centers, as long as they promote peace with justice in tangible ways. So we don't fund mission efforts, as good as those are, things like giving food to the homeless, but we do fund projects like our most recent recipient, Haven Chapel United Methodist Church. There, Dr. Weida Lee and her congregation are dreaming about how peace and justice can be made real through impacting families who have been disrupted by prison. They're using funds to provide programs to local elementary school-aged children whose parents have spent time in prison. And they are developing an expungement program that will clear the records of those who have spent time in prison so that they will be able to vote, get adequate employment, and live any place of their choice. And I bring all that up because this is exactly the kind of work we can do to build upon those big dreams of peace and justice that have come before us in some immediate and practical ways. Now that I have Procla and, and Dr. King and Dorothy Day on my mind, I can't help but see this work of Haven Chapel and all our Peace with Justice grant recipients and how it's deeply connected to the dreams which have guided us for centuries. We should dream big about peace for every single person in this world and for justice for all of God's children. We should not be deterred in dreaming these big holy things even though history has proven that they will not come to be completely because we build on the broken dreams of yesterday and we can make peace and justice of our dreams real when we work at it in any small or big way we can. Maybe it's you who can dream up a project to carry humanity's big dreams forward. Or maybe you can support another person in making peace happen now, in making justice happen now. 
It's not necessarily about moving a needle in any particular direction. It's about doing what we can here and now, however we can do it. Every unjust conviction needs a procla. And every generation needs a Dr. King. And every community needs a Dorothy Day. We all keep the dream alive, no matter what seeks to stand in its way, as long as we keep building on the dreams of peace and justice that have come before us. And maybe when we do that, our world will look a little bit more like stained glass, with broken pieces brought together and built upon to make something even more beautiful. At least that's how I hope my dreams and our dreams of peace and justice can look in the future. Would you pray with me? O oh God of all generations, we thank you for the visions and the dreams that you have placed on your people for peace and justice. We pray that those be rekindled in us this day, that we work and build upon them even now.